Well, good morning and happy Sabbath. Um, let me just... Okay, there we go. Um, just need to pull up these slides for a brief moment. Okay, great. Well, I'm glad that you could join us for our Saturday morning live stream. Um, I hope that you all can uh, join us for our church picnics and also for the church uh, games night. So thank you, Narelle and Sargam, and also uh, Joel for, for being willing to host that. Um, we hope that you can join us for that as well. Um, as you know, we're going through a two-part series on loving your neighbor, and today we'll be finishing that series. Um, in part one of the series, we studied Luke chapter 10, verses 30 to 37, uh, we looked at the commandment, love God and love your neighbor. Uh, we saw how two, how those two commandments are a paradoxical pair. Uh, while at times it seems that these two ideas are contradictory, um, they are dependent on each other and cannot be separated. We also read through the story of the Good Samaritan and how hospitality was the guiding virtue of how we ought to love our neighbors, um, especially those who are different from ourselves. There are many instances when people uh, do not hold the same values, norms, or ideology um, as we do, but, the, uh, but Jesus compels us, or rather commands us, to show an attitude of hospitality to those whom we may differ. If we do this, he promises that we can find life. We looked at how the story of the Good Samaritan highlights that loving our neighbors is proof that we love God. And today, as we look at the story of Mary and Martha, we'll see how a loving God can give us strength to love our neighbors. So the title for today is Loving Your Neighbor, The Gift of Receiving. Our passage for today is Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42. And so I'm going to invite you to... Open your scripture if you have it, or if you like following um, in your own uh, Bibles, uh, you can turn to Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42, as we go through the passage together. So we'll start in verse 38, which says, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. Now, in part one of this series, we saw how the Good Samaritan provided hospitality to the wounded traveler, and the theme of hospitality continues with Martha providing for Jesus and his disciple, and this theme connects these two stories in this series, and uh, Luke specifically puts the story of the Good Samaritan and the story of Mary and Martha together um, to communicate an important truth um, when it comes to, or, or giving us perspective and understanding what it means to love God and one another. Uh, Marjorie Thompson defines hospitality as receiving the other from the heart into one's own dwelling place, whether it be physical or um, emotional. Hospitality is not about gaining from the other. Uh, the purpose of hospitality is not just gaining favor or influence or respect, but rather it's about receiving the other. Hotels are designed to give the greatest experience of hospitality. Uh, how appropriate that the experience of one stays uh, of one's stay begins at reception. Once some of the elders came to Skeet and Abba, uh, Abba John the Dwarf was with them 
And when they were dining, one of the priests, a very great old man, got up to give each one a little cup of water to drink. And no one would take it from him except for John the dwarf. The others were surprised. And afterwards they asked him, how is it that you, the least of all of us, have presumed to accept the services of this great man? He replied, well, when I get up to give people a drink of water, I'm happy if they all take it. And for that reason, on this occasion, I took the drink, that he might be rewarded and not feel sad because nobody accepted the cup from him. This encounter between John the Dwarf and the prominent old man describes a powerful connection that can be experienced when two or more engage in hospitality. The very root of the word hospitality or hospice in the Latin means both host and guest. It's the act of sharing who we are as well as what we have that has tremendous potential for good. When a community of people provide for the needs, comfort, and delight of one another, uh, when an attitude of openness, respect, freedom, consideration take place, that community can become a center for healing and transformation. As we look at the story of Mary and Martha, we'll see Jesus teach on the importance of giving and receiving. In verse 39 of Luke chapter 10, the Bible goes on to read, She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. In the story here, Mary chose to sit and listen to Jesus. In doing so, she laid aside the traditional role of her culture uh, that her culture expected of her. As we continue to read the story, we'll see that Mary's choice to sit and listen to Jesus was an act of service to Jesus. After all, he came to preach a message, to proclaim God's reign, to invite conversion of life, Jesus yearned for people who would hear his words. Mary chose to receive the gift of Jesus' presence with her own presence, to receive his message with her hearing. The story continues on and and, and talks about how Martha responds to this. The Bible reads, But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. The story says that Martha was distracted with all of her preparations. Uh, She got bits and pieces of what Jesus was saying, but she was preoccupied with all the things that she had to do. She was pulled between devotion to Jesus and her responsibilities. As I read through this story, if I'm honest, I can relate to Martha. She had duties having to do with expectations to be maintained, work to be done, uh, the busyness of life, can keep me can often keep me distracted from connecting with Jesus. 
when this happens, it's difficult to sense what God is doing, and frustration and fear seem overwhelming, and my responsibilities seem to bring more stress to my life, and oftentimes I find that people become more difficult. Imagine being Martha. She's tired, she's grumpy, she's busy prepping the meal, setting the table, tidying up the house, and then she looks into the other room and she sees her sister sitting with the men, neglecting her womanly duties. Mary has no regard for her older sister, she has no regard for the reputation of the family, and she has no, she has no regard for the burden of service that is on Martha. The story says that Martha explodes. Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha here is not in sync with Jesus. So who does she blame when she loses it? She blames God or she blames Jesus. You can imagine the awkward silence in the room. Jesus responds to Martha's scolding by repeating her name twice. Martha, Martha. This is called the double vocative. When it's used in the Bible, it communicates that the one expressing the double vocative um, feels deeply toward the one whom it is expressed. This literary feature is used three times in the Old Testament and four times in the New Testament. It's significant because only God is the one who uses the double vocative. For example, on Mount Moriah, God calls out, Abraham, Abraham, don't hurt Isaac. Then on the road to Damascus, God calls out, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? When Jesus was overlooking the city, he weeps over the city, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how many times have I wanted to gather you like a hen gathers her chicks, but you would not let me. Jesus feels deeply for Martha. Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered by so many things, but only a few things are necessary, but really only one. Ron Cluzet points out, I'm sorry. Ron Cluzet points out, in the, In some Greek manuscripts, there's a word play that is used in the phrase, but only a few things are necessary, really only one. Jesus is referring to the meal that Martha is preparing. As you know, meals can have several courses or dishes, and Jesus here is saying, Martha, there's only one dish that matters. That's the one that I want to give to you. There are many things that can keep us justifiably busy in life, but there's one duty that leads to true life. That's sitting at the feet of Jesus. Jesus didn't need a meal, but Martha did. Do any of you get hangry? When we have extended periods without food, everyone in this house gets hangry. The emotions are an indicator that we need sustenance. When we experience moments of deep frustration, it's an indicator that we need a meal from the hand of Jesus. Because Martha is frustrated, she asks for the wrong thing. Is service wrong? No. Was Jesus saying, don't serve? When Jesus says, only one thing matters, he isn't saying, don't do the other things. 
he is saying this is the most important. There's a quote here from the book Education, uh, pages two uh, two sixty and two sixty one that I'd like to read uh, to you. An intensity such as never before was seen in taking possession of the world, in amusement, in money making, in the contest for power, in the very struggle for existence. There is a terrible force that engrosses body and mind and soul. In the midst of this maddening rush, God is speaking. He bids He bids us come apart and commune with Him. Be still and know that I am God. Psalm forty six ten. Many, even in their seasons of devotion, fail of receiving the blessing of real communion with God. They are in too great haste. With hurried steps, they press through the circle of Christ's loving presence, pausing perhaps a moment within the sacred precincts, but not waiting for counsel. They have no time to remain with the divine teacher. With their burdens, they return to their work. These workers can never attain the highest success until they learn the secret of strength. They must give themselves time to think, to pray, to wait upon God for a renewal of physical, mental, and spiritual power. They need the uplifting influence of His Spirit. Receiving this, they will be quickened by fresh life. The worried frame and tired brain will be refreshed. The burdened heart will be lightened. Not a pause for a moment in His presence, but personal contact with Christ to sit down in companionship with Him. This is our need. Reading through the experience of what communion with God is supposed to look like puts into context uh, the fact that Jesus would sometimes spend all night uh, praying, not sleeping at all. You know, for me, if I don't sleep at night, I'm pretty much wrecked the next day. But as I read through the story of Jesus and and, and this statement. Um, it just kind of puts in my mind there's so much more to be experienced um, at the feet of Jesus. Now, if you're like me, sometimes it feels like after reading the Bible, um, you don't get anything. And after repeated trials of trying to spend time um, with God, it's, it's hard to stay motivated. You are not alone in this experience. But I will say, even if it doesn't seem like you're getting anything, it makes a difference. Each time you read and search the scripture and attempt at connecting with God, you're learning and gaining something. Uh, The Bible describes the search for truth as someone who is digging in a field for treasure. And the reality is, as you continue digging, uh, your muscles are getting stronger. You're learning how to read. You're learning how to pray. You're learning how to connect. Those exercises that seem like failures make a difference. Every meal that you eat may not seem like it's doing anything, but it is. Joshua, for the past year and a half, has boycotted his meals. I honestly worried for a period of time that uh, Joshua was going to suffer from malnutrition. Um, I would place, uh, you know, I tried so many things. I tried uh, bribing him. I tried um, giving him food uh, one one uh, course at a time, um, starting with veggies and ending with carbs because really he just 
he likes potatoes, he likes rice, and he likes noodles, and that's about it. And so I would try so many different things, and, and for a little bit it worked. I mean, especially the bribery, uh, I would negotiate with him. If you eat your veggies, I'll give you a bicky, and I would sit in front of him eating the bickies to, to kind of whet his appetite. And I realized that's probably a little bit cruel. Now that I say it, it, it comes across probably not as the intention was good. Okay, <laughs> so after a while though, Josh was like. Mm, I'm good. I don't want the bicky. And he would just, he would leave the table. (laughs) And then what do you do at that point in time? Well, over the past three months, Joshua has grown multiple times and he is constantly hungry. And sometimes I think that the spiritual food that you eat is similar to the journey, or excuse me, the, the journey of spirituality and spending time with Jesus is similar to Joshua's growth. Uh, sometimes the spiritual food you eat, it doesn't seem like it's doing anything, but it'll keep you spiritually alive. Other times you sense hunger and you spend significant amounts of time with God and you can see the difference. If you're in a moment where you feel nothing is happening, hang in there. It'll be worth it, I promise. Jesus told Martha, Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. Have you ever had something taken away from you? Freedom, opportunity, reputation, finances, happiness? Jesus says there is something that he wants to give you that you can never or that can never be taken away. And I can honestly say that the presence of God in my life is the most valuable thing that I have. And nobody can take that away. Jesus wanted Martha to connect with him, to surrender her plans so that she could be open to his plans. Jesus here wanted to give Martha something that could not be taken away. He wanted Martha to learn to receive. While Martha's service is perfectly acceptable according to the norms of her first century world, Martha's hospitality was not what Jesus was looking for. See, Jewish women were normally cast in the role of domestic performance in order to support the instruction of men. But here, Jesus wants these women to engage in study themselves. Jesus wanted to elevate Martha and Mary to be his disciples, not simply his servants. You can imagine the difference it would have made for Martha if she would have first received from Jesus his hospitality before engaging in her hospitality. As you prioritize Christ, may you sense his presence, his power, and his love for you as you learn to love your neighbor. May God bless you as you sit at his feet. Will you join me for prayer? Father God, we come before you today. And as we consider the story of Mary and Martha, as we consider the pressures that are placed upon us, as we run to and fro with our work and our responsibilities and our families and um, and, and, and our, our recreational activities, I pray that you would draw us to your feet, that as we submit our plans to you, that we would come to know your plans, that we would experience that which can never be taken away. And I pray that as we gain strength and confidence from you, as we give to one another as a community, I pray that our church would be a place of healing, 
our pl- our church would be a place of transformation um, and, and and as a result that many would be drawn to you father i want to lift up our church to you in prayer as many of us are going through difficult times and more than ever um, we we need you we need to hear your voice we need strength that comes from you alone and so i pray that you would by your spirit um, draw our hearts closer to you that you would encourage us to spend that time with you to hear your voice and to gain wisdom as to how to move forward in our lives so we pray these things in your name amen